0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis. Um, I'm sitting in Sydney where I've recently flown back to from LA. Usually I don't give context or give biographies for my guests because sometimes I think it's pretentious or I'm just blowing smoke, but I think it's necessary with my two guests sitting here today for my final episode to give a bit of a background. Um, they might get a bit... Uh, Blushed from me basically talking about how amazing they are. But I'm sitting with two female filmmakers, uh, Kirsten Carthu and Katrina McKenzie. Uh, Katrina originally is my first guest, and then Kirsten's jumped on board at the last minute. So I'm going to learn. Yeah, she was invited the last minute. Um, so I'm going to learn a bit more about her. Um, to start off, though, Katrina is an afters alumni who also studied screenwriting at NYU Tisch. And whose debut feature film, Satellite Boy, won the Crystal Bear Special Mention Award for Best Film at the Berlin Film Festival. She worked as a director's attachment on Ridley Scott's latest feature film, Alien Covenant and recently worked on Shadowhunters' Mortal Instruments for the American Network Freeform, adding to her vast list of TV credits, including NBC's Camp, the Emmy-winning Dance Academy, and Satisfaction for Showtime with Oscar nominee Jackie Weaver. Her son Callum was sitting with us, but I think he's gotten bored, so he's moved out of the room. Um, Kirsten Carthou. oh no, he's joining us back. Um you should see this kid's pants they are worth their photo mention. Um Kirsten Kathy mm-hmm. recently had a fe- feature debut The Sun at Midnight screen at the Cannes Film Festival I read. Uh, Out of competition or I, just at a no, screening? No no
1: actually less way less glamorous okay like the market.
0: Okay. So Regardless was it was thing. there screening oh, okay. let's right. just say that it, it was. was. Yeah. Kirsten was recently at the Benton Film Festival in Arkansas how many weeks ago?
1: Maybe three or four. Only three or four, four. weeks
0: ago, yes. where world-renowned American actress Meg Ryan presented her with a juried prize for Best Narrative. And her lead actor, Kawinare Devere Jacobs, also won the Best Award for Best Performance in a Canadian Film at the Whistler Film Festival. Um, whew, okay. Kirsten has multiple writing credits, which include the Brazilian feature film Uma la de Muller. Is that how you pronounce it? Jean-Louier. Oh, okay. exactly like you said. All right, great. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much exactly the same, as well as two TV genre pilot scripts in development. Whoa, that was a lot of context, but you guys are about to learn a lot about filmmaking, and I think it's pretty important that my last episode of this season of Honest Conversations, I'm sitting with such amazing professional people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys are feeling pretty good right now, probably. It's a good way to start, actually, because I start my questions, my interviews the same way, which is four questions you guys can mix. I can give two of them to each of you or however, Um, this is an acting exercise, but you can treat it as directors or just as guests. If you can answer them as honestly as possible, I think I feel I need, I want right in this moment. So even if it's like, I want another glass of wine, Kirsten's already. Yeah, I
1: think i have I didn't think about that. Yeah. I just went for it. Uh, I think I feel I want whether I think what... I
0: feel I need, I want.
1: Hmm. I, I think I need to not overthink okay. this.
0: Cool. Great. Uh,
1: I feel really good here. It's uh, like just a nice temperature. I'm a little bit cold, but in a nice way. And I'm drinking wine. It feels very warm and mm-hmm. uh, relaxed. And I want... Uh, what do I want? There's always the things in life. I always am trying to figure out what I want. Okay. So, um, and it's an acting exercise.
0: But you don't have to treat it as
1: one. Yeah, I, I want to not overthink it. I want to just kind of
2: hear. Want to hear what Katrina's gonna okay. say? Okay. Well, Katrina's <laughs> the
0: Australian yeah. for context. I should have <laughs> yeah, explained somebody, that. Before. You'll hear. You'll hear. You'll hear the difference between the two.
2: So I'm a complete uh, cheap. I'm a light. I'm, I'm, lightweight. I'm, a, I'm a lightweight, I'm yeah. a cheap date, I'm all that stuff, so I've had half a glass of wine and I'm sitting here, I can feel <laughs> all, all the heat on my skin yeah. and I'm just actually thinking about freedom, but wow. in wow. wine, which has become messy, but also is kind of pivotal uh, for me at the moment. I've been thinking a lot about freedom, Okay. but yeah, but at the moment my top lip is kind of warm and thinking about Yasik Coleman pops mm-hmm. into my brain because he's a really honest actor okay. that I just work with. I mean, just know, mm-hmm. And also I'm a Gemini so I'm completely zipping around the room. And constantly. what did
0: you work with? Pronounce his name again. I mean, no, so, I'm mispron- So there's a film called Moulin Rouge
2: mm-hmm. and in Moulin Rouge there's oh, a I moment in that. the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called,
0: cool, yeah. So You know, that film with uh, that actress Nicole. Madden. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. you are you yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a moment in the film where the film starts to really come alive for me where this guy comes out and he sings Roxanne by the police. Roxanne. That's Yassie oh. I mean, with a name like Yassie Cohen,
0: Is he an Australian actor?
2: He's Australian. And He's what, a did you work? Polish, what did you work um, with him? Um, I worked with him on The Wrong Kind of Black, which is Rory Pryor's mm-hmm. uh, story. But... I, I don't know why red wine honesty Yasiin Kahan lightweight. He's just a very honest
0: actor. What is honest actor? What does that mean to you? And He's is that are those for both of end. you? Are Man, those? I'm, I'm really...
2: really <laughs> yeah.
1: fun. Not at all. No, these are. I love. The I opened my the mouth, two. mouth and and am now thinking by touching my teeth. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: but the. Um, do both of you respond to or think of honest actors as the best kind of actors that you want to work with, I guess? And going back again to your explanation. Well, I haven't
2: seen your film. Yeah. But, but I know with Satellite Boy, and, which is also a wilderness film, mm-hmm. um, the, the two main actors are not actors. They're literally a 10-year-old beautiful young man called Cameron Wallaby who was 10 at the time. who's now 16, 15, 16. Wow. And this other guy, Joseph Pedley, but they weren't actors at all. And so there's a complete can there's no artifice Mm. I suppose so I don't know what the if the actress in your film was that or
1: well we had we had a mixture of uh professional actors and non-professional actors and I think it it sounds super academic and I've actually never articulated it this way but I love the word authenticity because Anna seems so intentional and and, uh conscious Mm -hmm. and um, sometimes I think people are just kind of being who they are there. Um, and it, it might not always, uh, performance wise feel honest, but the, um, but the intention is so even like I can, I'm just thinking of some of our non-professional actors. (laughs) It actually feels very performance driven, but that's, that's, that's technically them being honest yeah. you know oh I'm not an actor and no, I'm going they're not, to say they're not things. thinking about it but um, I think I think the world today and and it, in the big picture the world today we're all moving towards a sense of individuality and that is inherently driven through authentic search for oneself and uh, in performance you see that too. And so for me, for example, Uh, the two actors who I had the privilege of working with, um, Devery and uh, Dwayne Howard, who was in The Revenant. and, And they're both just extremely lovely people. And they're slightly different than I imagined as the writer. I'm also the writer of the film. They're slightly different than what I imagined the character to be. But as a director, I really want the relationship I want to have with people as a person is just, hey, if I'm working with you, I want you to bring your thing, whatever that is, to to the role or to the camera or to the editor, whatever that is. And I think they both uh, took on the character in a way that I hadn't um, completely conceived of it, but that I loved. Like, I just trusted they would do their thing with it. And so I think their performances are authentic in that they are their version of that character and they own that character. Yeah, It's not not me. Like, it's they've sort of gifted over and um you know there's some guidance there as a director you know where when maybe choices are off but often often I I really was very fortunate I really liked a lot of the choices and sometimes it was more like okay we're not going that direction for this reason or whatever but um I, I really uh I, I'm curious about people so I, I'd want to you know, if I were hiring you for the role or casting you in a role, I'd be like, "Well, I want to see what Alex Cubis brings to this role, right. and not just my vision. You're not yeah, just sure. here to create something for me." And it's exciting to be like, "Well, what? <laughs> what's Katrina going to do when she directs this? Yeah. Like, what's her version of comedy?" Because you were saying you have you've just recently directed a comedy, and it's like you probably do a really cool take on comedy that's. Your take, and you didn't even know that was your thing, but well, it I don't is. a
2: comment. I mean, I suppose it's interesting with this idea of... Because when you hire an actor, you're sort of hiring in a way. You're hiring something that's a nugget of who they are inside. Mm-hmm. Of them. Definitely. Yeah. You want, you know, so you I want did, to show up. I yeah. did shadow Ridley, and, and that was an amazing experience. But And it's true that he doesn't... Sometimes he'll just talk to people about like the interview. The job interview is just... Not about the work. Yeah. Who are you? Yep. You I know, heard that for well,
0: Danny McBride. I think he didn't even know he was auditioning for it. It's and lunch. So you just, know, yeah. He just had a lunch. Yeah.
2: And there's a, that's what you do. And so yeah. in a way when you're working with an actor and, and whether it's my latest kind of creative crush, you know, in Jacek, or because he's so, you know, I guess the freedom of the creative process mm-hmm. and, and interrogating that, but, like he'll come you'll come with something and I might have a completely different idea. Yeah. And yet there's this sort of lovely freedom to toss it up and see what happens. And yeah. out of that process comes something which is just completely new and original and that that's so cool. And I guess yeah, you know, I get yeah, I mean, I have been interrogating and, and thinking about freedom a lot as mm-hmm. a creative process and and even in the writing of it, you know. Um, Kathy Freeman has mm-hmm. a tattoo on her shoulder that says, because I'm free. Okay. And when in the Sydney 2000 Olympics, she won the 400-meter yeah. uh, individual. It's kind of the golden moment of the Sydney Olympics.
0: Definitely.
2: And I had a cousin who was, was there. She thinking about it, yeah. <gasps> yeah, no, Australians is weird. Australians great. Okay. Very... For an Australian. That's an iconic moment. It's like I could probably start crying, so I won't go into it too much. But my cousin called me. He said, I'm at the, at the finals, and he held up his phone. And we just cried while she won the race. You know? But she's got this tattoo because I'm free. And so I've just been thinking about it. What is it to be free? Mm-hmm. You know, like when I'm writing a female character. Yeah. Like we are all colonised as in a way. So when I'm writing a female character, it's like you, you have your impulses and then you go, oh, is that really what a woman is? Mm-hmm. Is that really what an Aboriginal woman is? Or is it actually... You know, like, how am I colonized by the same thing that kind of oppresses me but also kind of carries me? Yeah. So how do you kind of break that down? Like, I'm, I'm really trying to find out how to be... And you can't. You can't actually be free. You just can't.
0: So that um, note you, that you just had about when you're writing a female character and whether they're colonized... Sorry. Why like, are you apologizing? I hear mean, no, 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 people no. Apologize? No, 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 no.
2: Especially
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, um, you just said how do I write them in a way or whether is that actually a woman or an Aboriginal woman? What do you mean by colonize? Like, I, are, are you writing them inspired by your own experiences or are you concerned with whether you're giving them, um, just basically accurate treatment? Um, are you able to elaborate on that?
2: Okay, Callum, listen. Um, you know, I come, so, you know, I come from a sort of a base of we are operating within systems, whether it's capitalism, mm-hmm. whether it's in, from an Indigenous Australian's point of view, it's colonisation, yeah. whether it's, you know, consumerism, all of these things are designed to push and pull men and women and young Aboriginal boys and, you know, Greg Inglis and all different sorts of people from, that's it, Aboriginal mm-hmm. people in um, in different ways. And so, you know... There's countless examples of, of how women are written. Uh, the description of a woman in a Marvel feature film, apart from the one that Meg Lefebvre is writing at yeah. the moment, is ridiculous. kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And so, you know, whereas men men's characters are more kind of fleshed out and grounded. And so, when I'm writing, I don't know mm. about you, but when I'm writing, I'm you know, you have instincts. To put that, and I go, oh, what's that instinct? Is that the instinct that's been colonized by consumerism, or coloni—you know—colonized by capitalism, or the patriarchy, or, or is it really from you? What is it, and how do I dig down into actually yeah. what is honest in myself that's as a amazing. writer? So I don't just replicate the same old crap that's been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That this is amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm. How do you do that? And I don't know. I don't. Have you don't know the answer,
0: right? But you have. But I think the the important thing is that you are just you're questioning it. How you keep inquiring. Can
2: freedom be achieved on yeah. an individual thing? And I am prepped for the zombie apocalypse. Good. We but talked also, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and and, and with I have an eight year old son. who's beautiful. And how do I kind of help him? towards a path of freedom because it's not just like art doesn't just start in this bubble it's lived it's a lived experience definitely
0: so that's incredibly on point or very appropriate so i started this podcast on the theory that successful creatives have a refined point of view where they express themselves on a moment-to-moment basis and just basically say what's on their mind Mm. sometimes that can get them in trouble and whether they're a director a comic Red wine definitely helps. Um, so you're really confirming that. But I guess, interestingly, you point to the idea that we still don't quite know what the answer of the how is. But as long as you're asking the questions. Um, Kirsten, do you have anything? That well, like
1: to I, that? I'm a writer as well. And I yeah. think it's uh, it's a bit of a mindfuck sometimes when you're writing. Because if you if you put too much of that thought, at least for me, if I put too much of that thought in my head... I would never get out of my head and yeah. it's so important for me to get out of my head. And that's how I write and I write. And then I find I'm a very intuitive person. So I follow the story, follow the story. And then there, there comes a point where I can put a different lens on this one where I go, okay, now that I'm like digging the story, I like the characters. They feel real to me. I like what's happening in their personal lives. I like sort of the architecture of the script Then I can think, okay, well, let's put on the um, like this lens or or whatever lens it is, and think about it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I find that really useful. It's really useful for me that writing is a process, and I don't need to get it right. I really always give myself permission to be messy and nonlinear about things. So I think you know what you're talking about, and I think the role of a writer and the role of directors and just artists in general is it isn't it's crazy but it's like kind of our job to overthink things and and really uh like I was just on a a jury for um a, a film festival and you know, we came down to a couple of films, and we really, you know, we really, but I was like, it's our job to overthink, because be like, yeah. we're overthinking this, and then I, I would be the one. I was like, we're overthinking this, and then it sounds, you know, like, <laughs> kind of crazy. But it's our job! <laughs>
2: like,
1: if you're in the audience, yeah. you know, because sometimes, sometimes things don't register, and you're like, oh, I know that guy was kind of a jerk, or that woman was kind of, you know, this way or that way, and it didn't really bother me. I, I like the character and things, yeah. and then kind of going, yeah, but... Are we reinforcing a stereotype here? Are we supporting an identity that is fake yeah. or that has other people have started giving voice to? Mm-hmm. You know, what it's mm-hmm. what's important here? And and I think that is a really, um, you know, the way uh, I think of my responsibilities in a way that my life makes sense to me to be working in film. Cause it's really hard. And uh, you know, sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't, sometimes life's great. Sometimes it, I mean like, whatever, that's yeah, the same for everything, but is like, how do I provide service? And I'm a huge fan of creating community and giving back and uh, how do I create service? So I'm like, Oh, okay. Well I'm creating service through my films and through my projects and I need to do what you were talking about and kind of check in and go like, is this actually worth something? Because uh, Canada and Australia are similar in terms of funding models for projects. Okay. And if I'm getting, I remember I had a teacher once, and I don't quite agree with this, so just prefacing it with that. Okay. But he uh, comes from a documentary background. He said, you know, if you're doing a film project, you you just, you have to feel really confident that your idea is worthwhile and uh, you know, you have to be able to say to um, say, well, you need to be able to say to somebody who's struggling, say it's a single parent and they need housing, and you need to say, well, actually, I need that money for this project. I mean, that's not actually how government funding works. Sure, like, I feel like you but can have my to, money to, to test, to shows, but yeah, I, but yeah. you need to own that. And I and think something yeah. that was really powerful for me, and and it kind of happened later in life, was just realizing like. My stories are important because I think they're important. And they're not important because I don't need you to think they're important. But if I'm going to have an expectation that there's going to be somebody to watch my films or uh, that this is going to contribute to filmmaking, not just in Canada, but in the globe, then I need to be... uh, extra thoughtful like it's actually my job to do that so i think i think people should be overthinking things and yet like for me I, the process always starts out as very intuitive and you know what i but the thing is it's like what i think is cool is cool like i it is cool because
2: <laughs> you will is, find a netflix model man you will yeah, find a model. You will. Wow. but it's but, interesting what yeah. you were saying in terms of i was on the jury of a film festival and they were two men who were from the Northern Hemisphere mm-hmm. and I was the female from the Southern Hemisphere. And I don't think it was actually about gender in the end. Right. I do think that the cultural kind of models of what was excellence... Were very and, different. Because, yeah, because, you know, Australia is well, obviously... There's the Indigenous stuff, but there's also... The Asian, we are part of Asia. Really. Yeah. yeah. We are part of Asia. We've got beautiful Indonesian filmmakers and Thai, Chinese, and the Northern Hemisphere has different, and there is a cultural difference, and it's, you know.
0: So what was a comment that was made that crystallised the difference in excellence?
2: You know, being on a jury is quite, quite something. Right. It's a privilege. And, you know, like totally. They won't screen the films until the jury walks in and, you know, you get dropped off in a limo and you kind of okay. sit down and, you know. It's like, yeah, you were on a a jury. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't want to say which jury it was, but, you know, it's kind of a... It's Big a, deal. It's a serious... They take it very seriously. Yeah. It's a serious thing. But um, my taste mm-hmm. and the taste of my other jurors did not always align. Yeah. And and I, I had to think about
0: why that was
2: getting back to you know freedom for me is kind of what i'm thinking about but there's different cultural kind of yeah standards and trends and you know um and it's almost like how can you hear a concept that i'm talking to you about when you don't come from that tradition at all sure how do you like people talk about doing business with the chinese it's very different the chinese apparently will sit there and they will in business meetings and they will sit and they will just wait and they will not utter the first sound. They will wait and that puts pressure on the other side of the table to kind of... Yeah, start panicking out, yeah. From a the Western... Pacific. They start panicking yeah. because I'm are not saying anything. Yeah. Oh, you know, and so it's a very different way of thinking and being. and, and it, happens
0: in, it happens in moments as well. I think um, for Star Wars or was it... Yeah, I think it was Star Wars... Um, Steven Spielberg and I'm blanking. Who's the creator again of The End of George Lucas. Of yeah. all the moments to blank on his name, they went and saw a screening in Japan, and there was complete silence at the end, and they freaked out and thought that it was going to be a complete flop went home went back to the hotel and that's when they came up with the concept for indiana jones or i don't know something like that but then they later found out that it's an honor in japan to not applaud yes so i guess it happens in small moments and, and big moments um going a bit off topic but this is a question for both of you was there a light bulb moment for both of you where you identified? And I've I've watched an interview with you, Katrina, where you've referred to it loosely, where you were like, "I'm going to be a filmmaker." And by the same token, has have you each of you experienced a light bulb moment recently where you were like, "I'm giving it up" or whatever, in like somewhat recently? Have if you had, I want a
2: billion dollars, if I want a billion dollars, if I want a trillion dollars, I would. I would keep doing exactly You would what never.
0: It. That's awesome. I
2: love, I love it. It doesn't like I said <laughs> It's was like, if you want a billion or a trillion dollars, you would make
1: all the films you yeah. ever wanted to yeah. make.
2: But, yeah, but it's <laughs> interesting because I, I think, and you can see it, if I want a trillion dollars, I would do exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I I'd buy a few friends' houses and I sort some people out and look after to some people. I would do exactly what I'm doing. But I also think that, as particularly in Australia and mm-hmm. Canada, we have this process where you have to go through hoops and you yeah. have to so, But there is a thing where you open up your idea, your script to an audience, you sit up like a meerkat and you listen because it's very scary when someone else reads your work. And I do think there's something about, and you can see it, filmmakers that have been given complete carte blanche have done sometimes the most dreadful films because Mm. there's no one there to say, that sucks, mate. Why did you do that? Mm.
0: You do need to sometimes
2: sometimes but yeah if I want a billion dollars I would do what I'm doing and yet I can appreciate as hard as it is Mm -hmm. Um, it's sometimes good to have I mean I don't know the American system is different Mm -hmm. because you've got your whole studio and there that's a cultural well that I
0: think obviously that's what makes film some films really bad is the studio interference Mm -hmm. you know you can't as honest or as authentic as a filmmaker can be there's going to be films which are watered down or their original vision is going to be complicated or compromised. Mm -hmm. And that's why bad films, I guess, end up happening. Right.
1: But I think that is also part of, part of the studio system with scale. But, you know, in the indie world, I find sometimes people look down on, certain filmmakers who are some of the best filmmakers ever. Mm. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, I love Steven Spielberg. I just think that a. man a. is Wait, she amazing yeah. and, and so articulate and so technically proficient oh. and knows all about audience expectations yeah. and storytelling. And yeah. I, I think that, um, I would, I mean, you, it is, it sounds a little like a cliche, but you really can't go into filmmaking because there was a pathway carved for you. You, There's no school you go to or this program or that. And even if you do the kind of ones that exist in the world, there's definitely no guarantee. So I know for myself, I would do things, but I'm always, I find a bit of a late bloomer. Um, And I actually, it's not the answer to the film question, but it sort of is Mm -hmm. in that, feeling thing. The memory that came up was I was running a marathon and I'm not a particularly fast runner. So I was running a marathon and I had this mantra going through my head of like, you can do it. You can run this marathon and you can run. No, you can run a marathon. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, you can run a marathon. Like you're actually running it right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not, you can, like you You are." are. Yeah. And I've had some of those moments with Uh, filmmaking because on the day you're you know working 16 18 hour days and there's all this prep and especially in indie world it's like you're doing everything so you know you're like the person who's scooping up the garbage but then you're also like on the phone every every filmmaker I'm sure has had this experience because it's unanimous but I've had um That uh, sense more lately of owning my voice, which is a very empowering feeling. And that feels uh, pretty special to me that Mm -hmm. my... Ownership of my own voice is enough. And I, I you, don't need it from other people.
0: So that's what I'm mainly interested by. Yeah. Where do you think you developed that ability to own it recently?
1: I think it was with my feature film. I developed a confidence that I didn't even know I needed.
0: While you were making it?
1: No, at the end of it, okay. because so many things went. I don't want to say wrong, but like just it was so hard. It was so yeah. hard, and. Uh, there were so many moments where it kind of didn't feel worth it, but you had to keep going because you're already so far into something. Yeah. yeah and it's just like, uh, like you, you kind of have to keep going. And with all of the things that were challenging and, and massively challenging, then before the film even screened and we edited the film and we got it to a place like when we finished uh, my film, the Sun at midnight and everybody worked so hard, like I'm so proud of everybody just for like surviving our film shoot. But at the end of the day, I didn't even know if we had enough footage to make a film. Really? Like our executive producer looked at the footage. She was like, "Is there enough footage here for a film?" And I was like, oh. "I don't know." Like I, but we did, we didn't have the option to shoot again. We were shooting all outdoors. We couldn't even if even if we were given a billion dollars, like we would have had to wait a year and contractually that wasn't even possible. Okay. So. Um, coming from this kind of messiness and figuring out a story and really like owning the uh, this I call it like a mama role, like where I was like, This is my baby, and yep. it maybe wasn't what I thought it would be, but I am like responsible for giving it a good life and giving uh, getting that film to a completion point where I thought, Wow, we like we did it yep. and um, felt really good about it. And I was. Happy when I could genuinely say to myself, and sometimes I say things to myself and I don't necessarily mean it. But this case, I did, where I was like, "I am proud of having made this particular film, and I didn't need anybody else to say they liked it." it I mean, it would be even great. just the act
0: of completing it. I think is it
1: was it was a huge. But deal. also
0: pointing to what you said just before is that the limitations. Structural budgetary limitations are actually sometimes a creative gift. And Katrina, you mentioned that in an interview I read when you were talking about Satellite Boy. Is it the lower, uh, the smaller than expected budget, or just working in a smaller budget that you were ended up being one of the. Well, it's it's true. It's really. Films Mm -hmm.
2: are really hard, and you've got non actors who are in sort of one of the most remote places uh, in Australia, and it was, you know, like this. Saltwater crocodiles that eat you, and there's scorpions that kill you, and literally under the house where we lived before we went into our tents, there were the most poisonous snake, the taipan. It was a nest of them, and they would wow. It tasted the kids, you know, like it was really. Don't go in there, honey. (laughs) No, I was like, anyway, there's there's got stories, man. More wine and then better stories, but (laughs) but it is it is very difficult, and it's true that those Mm. kind of constraints do. You have to be creative. You have to come up with solutions and. Yeah, there's parts of Satellite Boy that I go, that's great. And there's parts that I go, Ooh, that's because we were 20 grand short. Totally. And you go, that turning point should have been as it was scripted or whatever. But, you know, that's that's the learning lesson. Yeah, sure. And that's why it's good to work in TV because, I mean, when I've just done something with Nakia Louie, which was very low budget, then I also did do Shadowhunters, which was like...
0: Incredibly high budget family stuff.
1: mother
2: of God, there's just...
0: Everything's yeah, taken care doing? of. Yeah.
1: I've got Skittles. I've
2: got special chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Not How there
0: yet. was working on that compared to Australian stuff that you've done before?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's. It, look, at the end of the day, the grammar, the filmmaking techniques, oh, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, you're working for, you know, Freeform, which is ABC Family, which is... You know, they have a huge franchise and mm-hmm. they have a lot of invested sort of resources in that franchise and you don't want to be breaking their show because that's, but that's their, you know, how they Bread survive. and butter, yeah. Um, so there's pressure. Um, but it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's fun because at a certain point that was like, oh, I want to sort of wet down five blocks of uh, Toronto and there was a very quiet single tick. And in Australia they would circle back around in two weeks and they'd go, actually, you know. You probably can't do that. Right. That never happened. I turned up on the night it and there was and two just... cranes up and there was ten.
0: Making rain. <laughs> like,
2: it, like And it was like, okay. And I had to actually, having having had those tough indie films yeah. where, oh, fuck, I don't have enough money. What am I going to do? Yeah. Which makes you very creative. Yeah. Me, I didn't have that. And so, in fact, right, it was like, oh, God, I know I need 100 extras, but I can probably do it for... If I ask for 50, I'll get 30. In fact, in Australia, if I ask, I need 100, I'll probably get 10. Right. They were like, I'd ask, I'd go, oh, I need 100. I can probably do it with 60. They'd go, eh, have 110. Wow. Like, it's a different mindset. And that's yeah. interesting because you yeah. do get used to kind of figuring stuff out. And do
0: you think that because my original question was going to be, do you think that diminished your creativity or whatever in while doing it? But I can imagine that your background would make sure that you're keeping your honesty or your authenticity in check and you're not going to overindulge because of the Australian stuff that you've done before and the Indies that you've done before. One of the most
2: beautiful things that someone said to me recently was, and it was lovely, is that they said, Katrina, you always come from the inside of the story and the inside of the characters. And I felt good about that Mm. because... No one had ever said that to me and I thought it was quite, I just took it because yep. you don't often get patting on the back either. In that organic yeah. way as well yeah. and that's yeah, like close yeah. to your heart. But and I don't know if it compromised. I think just having the resources, I had to actually free myself up from being so lo-fi and allow myself. So what is it? Like if someone gave you all the money in the world, like Ang Lee with um, mm-hmm. The Life of Pi? Yeah, you know whatever you think of that film, that's a beautiful film. Yeah, that's an that's a spectacular film, and he didn't have any constraints, which is off. It's a rare thing. Everyone's got constraints, Mm. you know, whether it's casting restrictions or. But what you know, I think it was a. I say, bring it on. Sure. (laughs) I mean, why not?
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I actually think. I mean, of course you you have to troubleshoot. And in, in indie films, you're always troubleshooting. But I look forward, I feel like for me, the challenge is that somebody said, you have car blanche. I mean, I have to get really clear and specific. It's uh, my closest experience would be working in animation where mm-hmm. you have to be so specific. And in science fiction, which I'm writing now, to be so specific about the world you're creating. So because you don't have the option later of editing or tweaking things because you're, you just don't. Like even the biggest budgets wouldn't allow for that. So I think it uh, makes you have to own your voice more mm-hmm. and go, okay, well, that's what I need, that's what I'm going for, and not always like waiting for it and kind of, like I've got great troubleshooting skills, so it's like, okay, I'm just waiting for this to go wrong, I'll just do this. Yeah. And it'd be so great to be like, okay, actually, let's, Let's go higher. I, I
2: feel like it could be an and exciting and inspiring
1: thing. And that's
2: the freedom that I'm talking about that mm. I've been sort of interrogating in myself lately. Okay, because on the page, you can write anything. You can write a, a billion dollar film if you wanted to, because you can do anything. Yeah. yeah. But when you write, where do you pitch? What are you used to? Where are you coming from? What is your voice? And where, how is it? I mean, I use the language of colonization because that's kind of my background. And it's so unique like,
0: to your experience. Yeah, yeah, but
2: what? How am I compromised? How am I constrained? You know.
0: And then, how do you combat that? Is how that how do serious? I
2: interrogate it in myself? I'm, I'm a and then put that into educated, character. pretty smart cookie. But how do you do that? Like, you know, how do you stretch the surface of your own experience and go a step beyond that and out of not even your comfort zone, but your experience level. Yeah. You know, what Definitely. is it to be a 25-year-old white man? Into, <laughs> you know, what is it's that? Very I generic,
0: mean, yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I think something that you were just saying reminded me, and like, I was like, I'm not going to say it because it reminded me of a line. Good guess my on the script. Age the um, But what does it mean when you're not asking for permission? And sometimes I think that experience of colonization or repression or whatever it is, is... Um, like placing boundaries on yourself that you don't need to, but you kind of inherited. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea of going, like, I just think um, in in my personal life, I was in a relationship with somebody who once I was like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Like, I, I really can't afford to take work because I need to be writing on something. And uh, my partner at the time said, why don't you? And I was like, I just need just need like two months and my partner at the time said why don't you take a year and I was like oh, not a year I mean I just I mean three months would be great mm. and then I thought what if I could take a year? Wow mm. I could I could change the world. Like it's such a different mindset to put yourself in when you go, okay, well what if I just don't need to think inside of a box and maybe inside of a smaller box. And what if somebody said, you know, you get forty years to do yeah. something. And of course there's a pressure, like, oh then it has to yeah. be amazing. But but what if it didn't have to be amazing? Just, what if you just could just, just the hypothetical. do whatever you wanted in that time that's what period. I'm about. Yeah, that's a yeah. If,
2: you know, what if, if if you know the northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, the male, female, these constraints I have a rule in life um is if something feel, makes me feel expansive. hmm Go for it. If something makes me feel contracted, I go whoa, something's not right. It's like a little litmus test. Just yeah, right. you know. Yeah. Um,
0: it's a great litmus test. Well, you know, similar to me bringing me feel, you joy. Do you think expansiveness equates to joy? I've heard that thing recently where an actor was saying, like, I'm going to do it. I don't
2: know. Why does someone take a role? Why? Do, why does someone go? I'm going to do this role and this project for less money than this one. I don't know what it is, but. Mm. But how do you break out of that stuff? How mm. do you how do you find your way through all of those inherited modes or models, whatever the language is, and and for me, find my way to some sort of creative freedom? I mean, I'm too tired and lazy yeah. now to be No, but it is, it's almost like I embrace who I am, I can't be fucked doing anything else. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I just go, you
0: know what? Abandon the pretense. I can't be yeah.
2: bothered because I am, there's
1: a, life is you, a juggle. Well, you're owning yourself. You're like, I, w- I wish I were smarter, but uh, I don't know the answer here. I don't know either, And I know. don't, need to. so yeah. somebody else figure it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Someone else do a PhD on it. Yeah. Um, this is a question for both of you. What you, the comment that your friend made about your work before is that you have a way of working from, starting from the inside or working from the character from the inside and going out, do you attribute that? The theory that I have is that I'm guessing you you can attribute that partially to your background or the way that you're raised. Generally with the people I've interviewed, that's the way that they're raised is is a big thing. How and why do you think you've developed that ability, Katrina? And then the same for you, Mm. Kirsten. Because I can imagine your work speaks similarly. I don't know. Oh no. I mean, I don't because it's a pretty unique thing. I mean, that's empathy in a way. It's almost... Cre- I would creative say that that's empathy. creative empathy. Yeah. Thing, Where so you I, get that from. Just
2: as a way of, of, again, being expansive is that I work with a Nakia Louie who just wrote... Who's just had her play on at the SDC. She wrote this thing called... That's
0: Sydney Theatre Company for those listening.
2: Uh, yeah. Kiki and Kitty, which is for ABC TV. And I got the opportunity to direct all of it, which is... And it's comedy. And I've never done it before. So cool. And so... Comedy is hard because drama just unfolds. And it's drama. I've done drama. I love action. I love all that stuff. Yeah. But comedy, man, what a mindfuck! Like I'm telling you, when you get to do, it's very different because what's funny? Like mm. it's it's this magical thing. Mm. So in a way, I worked with Nakia, who is the straight lady, and then I worked Elaine, with Elaine Crombie, who is the most beautiful actor, Elaine Crombie. It'll be on ABC TV soon and I think it's got to have a, a long life Great. beyond that but um, you give them a seed of an idea and it's magic and you just take it as an actor you take it and yeah. you run with it and it's almost like the director has to have the faith in their people they're working with to step out and not interfere yes, because you can kill that magic yeah. comedy is so the less interference the better almost you know like Maybe one take has it, and the next minute you just got to push it more. But maybe you pull it back, and it was such a collaborative thing of try, it, try this, just try it, uh-huh. and they try it, and, or maybe do, let's do it another way, and they do it a different way. I wasn't doing it; they were the ones doing it, and and we found a really lovely way of working where really I just got out of their way. Great, I kind of gave them some kind of framework, but kind of just got out of their way yeah. to do what they do.
0: And that's also what, what an happens? actor needs to do within their own head is get out of their own way sometimes and let it I happen. could ask
2: you questions. Oh. I don't understand how. Dave, have you got an acting background? I have an improv
1: theater background. Cool. That's cool. It is cool. I love it. It's very spontaneous and in the moment. And I wish sometimes I was a musician. I have a horrible singing voice, and yet I will sing Many freely, but people have asked me to leave the stage. But what I love about uh, people playing music together is when they jam... You know, and they're just like da da da, like
2: da 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 da, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I
0: have this chemistry where it's yeah, fully, um, and improv
1: performance. Yeah. I mean, usually it is comedy. What I what I'm curious about with improv is it can can also be tragedy, it could be horror, it can be all these things. But typically it's comedy, which is, which makes it very enjoyable. But you're story jamming with people, and that's like that's my fun zone. Oh, my and gosh. I used to be an extremely shy person, so really, I would get. Uh, on stage and actually it wasn't until I moved to LA someone's like, You should, you know, you're a writer, you should take an improv class. And cool. I found like a group on and I went and I <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to get out of the house and it just moved here. And uh, I went and I just there was a great group of people yeah. and this idea of saying yes to things is, is is pretty easy for me. But then when you have to, you know, like add dialogue and stuff. But when you find people to work with and that collaboration where you're like all right, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. It's so cool and uh, power empowering. And uh, I, I realized um, I loved doing it. And my first show, I was so nervous. I was like handshaking and I got on the stage and it was this very weird thing because I grew up very – like my mother's role models, I'm not kidding, Our Mother Teresa and Gandhi. And it's like, oh, That's you cool. know, you did a project, it did well. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I, I don't need to mm-hmm. send a film to another festival. One festival, it did well, and uh, we're done. And nobody talked about, you know, the reality, like you need to maybe promote yourself or something. Mm-hmm. But getting on stage – I just felt like, oh, guess what? We get to we get to play now, and and own that, and have fun with it. And um, I, I, this is totally a tangent; doesn't even answer your no, question. But, but it does. my very old niece, she's nine, and when she was seven, she was in a stage show, Mary Poppins. And uh, I credit her parents. Not me as her aunt, but anyway, she was she's going to perform, and uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to be the cool aunt. I work in film, you know. I'm going to give you some tips for how to deal with your nerves, but I was trying to do it in a really cool way. I was like, uh-huh. so do you do you get nervous? Do you think you'll be nervous? And she's like, yeah, I'm so nervous, and I was like, how are you gonna how are you gonna deal with that? Like thinking I'll just swoop yeah. it, yeah. And she's like, well, I thought about it, and I I think like when I've seen people on stage. I have fun when they're having fun. Like even when it's a sad scene, but I know they want to be doing the sad scene. So I'm oh. gonna take responsibility and I'm gonna have fun. And I'm just also, it's my life. It's my responsibility to have fun. And I was Wait, like A seven-year-old oh said yeah, this. I know. And then <laughs> I know it. I yeah. was like, oh, just taking notes here, and uh, and I was like, wow, that's really good. So you, you're like not even nervous, and she's like, no, I'm still gonna be nervous. But I'm going to make it not as important to be nervous. I'm going to make it more important to have fun. And I was uh, like,
0: oh, oh, oh no nope taken. And that part could be from Meryl Streep. Or I have all like, my
1: friends who are, you know, like uh, my friends, uh, Justin was doing a huge uh, presentation yeah. on his architecture. And I told him this story. And he's like, I remembered your niece.
2: <laughs> I was like,
1: I remember her all the time. Just little that's hints. Cool. Because that's really cool. it's really good wisdom yeah, to that's a great, say things like aggressive. that. I think
0: kids are often often have the greatest insights for the creative process mm. yes. um we're nearing the end of our chat so just i'm wondering we don't have to dive deep into this but do you guys especially to any budding filmmakers out there or actors do you have any more practical practically oriented tips especially if you can remember when you were starting out was it just sheer persistence with making your own stuff and eventually it pieces together and have hope that that'll work out or was there is there something more specific you can can offer?
2: Oh, I've heard all those stories of, you know, if you have a dream, you can do it. Yeah. I, I think it's a community of artists. I think you have I – think, I think you should read books. Yeah. I think you should watch people. I think you should be part of a community and build that or become part of that. I think that's really important because that is the stuff that gets you through when you haven't worked for eight months or whatever yeah. or you're writing and you haven't, you know um, – I think relationship building is actually on a practical level. It's all about relationships mm-hmm. because I'm telling you, why do you think 20% of women are directing stuff and, you know... It's, it's a boys a, club. It's a boys club. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It's not because of any inherent debilities. It's because of their relationships, yeah. because they went to the same schools, because they know each other, because they have a similar way of thinking about the world. Totally. I So, I, you know, and I think um, one of the things that I've been doing in the last couple of years is I will put my hand out and I will I mean I'm like a, I feel like I'm a mid-level director maybe I don't know you know I'm lucky to be breaking I'm the first indigenous filmmaker from Australia to direct tv in America I just, wow so yeah. high five to that yeah, yeah, but yeah. like I, but I feel like my job is and in fact I was talking to these guys mm-hmm. in Toronto about wanting to bring on more first nation filmmakers yeah uh, guy, I know Chris Eyre, you know, who did beautiful, you know, beautiful films, Smoke smoke Signals, smoke signals yeah. you know, like, and he's done quite a bit of TV, but he struggles. Yeah. He's a, he's a, you know, I have to put my hand out and I have to help people up. I have to do it because otherwise it's not going to happen. And, yeah. I, and I need someone to pull me up. Yeah, you know? sure. But I need to do that and, I, and I've just made a commitment to bring across makeup artists or costume designers or production designers who are doing who are talented, and that they just need that leg up. They Great. just need that hand up. So to that end, I'd say get a mentor, mm-hmm. get a community, mm-hmm. and get those relationships. That's, that's what I Yeah,
1: well, and the only thing I would add to that is um, it's such a proactive –
0: Oriented industry. Yeah, yeah. You
1: really need to. And it doesn't, Like I, I'm an introvert too, you know, like it's like, be, but you can still be proactive. And something I have to remind myself, just like in every other area of life, people aren't psychic. I know who I am, sort of, but better than anybody else. But you can't see me. Mm-hmm. So I have a response, just like my niece, I have a responsibility to tell you who I am. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to tell you that I want to work for you mm-hmm. or that I want to be a, me- a mentor or I want, I have a responsibility to just be seen. And so that somebody like Katrina can go, Oh, you, you want this position? I mean, I'm happy to help you, but yeah. I didn't know you existed. Right. And it's very hard for me to come and find you. So if you can help me be like, see you, then I'm happy to bring you on. And, and like you're at your talk about sort of the boys club it's it's a I think it's a, a level of visibility, and you really need to even when you're not feeling sure, find that confidence to make yourself seen so you're visible and uh, and people can bring you up. Definitely, mm,
2: that's tricky. That one, it's true. I forget tricky. that sometimes. You know, sometimes it's just like ask. It's like, oh, I really want to work for you, Steven Spielberg. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that sounds. Outrageous, but, but sometimes not? you need to. He'd be like, "Cool, does nobody." Asks, does it annoy does you mean... though when
0: actors do that? Being no, directors? I mean it's no. interesting
2: because on this on, key, on this other couple of things, jobs ago, um, there was a woman there who had emailed me maybe two years before saying, "This is my CV. I'd love to work with you." Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. And I didn't have anything because I was writing. Yeah, I had, you know. And lo and behold, she shows up on this job, and I was like. Yeah, you're cool. It's, Wait, yeah. She had already
0: been cast. She was cast by someone else. She was else. actually
2: not an actor. She was a, she was a, um, she was a head of department. Okay. But right. I, I, sometimes I get weird emails and it's hard to sort of respond to, to them. Yeah. But as a rule, whether it's from a composer or an actor, I'll usually send a very quick email back saying, look, I don't have anything in the moment. I'm in development, blah, blah, blah. Because, it's tough for everybody. Like it's, yes. a, it's a it's a profession where you're putting your spirit in a way on the line of... Definitely. And, and if people don't choose you, you go, oh, my, mm. it's really tough. It's man. hard. <laughs> it's so so hard. I always try and read scripts if I can, and I've been slack lately. But, you know, I always try and respond to emails and say, look, I've got nothing at the moment, but I will keep you in mind. And I mean, it's tough too. I mean, uh, you know, Yeah.
0: But otherwise, I guess just stay on top of your craft and be persistent. Find a try, breed, and I mean, all it's all the definitely. I mean, as an think. actor,
2: if I see you in work, mm. it's be, definitely it's easy, better, easier because better you're getting aware. an email going. Oh, that was that guy who, Yeah. Know, who's that guy? Yeah. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. It's, Which is why creating, like your act, creating your own work as an actor, creating yeah. your own work as an actor and
0: making it visible for other people to see is actually a good strategy for sure. Yeah, and yeah.
2: relationships. Because if someone goes, you know, like if it's, I don't know, it's human nature maybe, but if I've got a couple of different people and someone goes, oh, he's great, he he does Hong Kong action films as a sideline, he's a stunting, but he can, you know, I go, oh, he can bring an extra skill set to this and right. he's got a personal kind connection, of yeah." and I go, oh, cool, cool, he's cool. Yeah. I mean that's so wrong. That's the
0: boys. But sometimes one. it's random though.
2: That's the boys. It, yeah. Know you know but this. it's it's
1: how we make sense of the world. Like I I would rather hire friends and it's a trust thing. So you're just sort of saying like, "Oh, okay, well I like Alex's taste and I don't know any better so because I don't have the opportunity to see everything and read every book and see every film or whatever so it's you know word of mouth is really a big deal and yeah. um that's why I like when you put yourself out there you don't know who's gonna see you you yeah. might I might put myself out there so that you see me but like, someone else could. vicariously this person I stood in Meg line Lye with could was, see it. Yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> that's right yeah yes yeah. good yes
0: <laughs> um Callum, I think, wants some dinner. Um, I think we we'll having eaten all of the cheese. Having eaten all of the cheese, mandarins. he's been very patient. Let me just
2: say that Callum has been—he's got he's about been pretty eight, amazing. Eight screen credits. He was in hey. Satellite Boy. Really? And he was in Rescue Special Ops and Dance Academy. No and, way!
0: And we've got to look out uh, for him in the, uh, the future. There okay guys Thank that was an incredible chat usually i end on the questions again of i think i feel i need i want um this, this being the last episode though i don't even really think it's necessary i was i think you guys hopefully you didn't think that that was too boring hopefully you were interested no, unless you was wanted challenging to
2: challenging
1: in a good way I liked good it. It was, yeah yeah i love hearing your you stories before. too it was such yeah. a pleasure to have oh, wow. a duo yeah that, i loved it it was a great yeah. way to end
0: my season i feel incredibly grateful um Maybe it would be appropriate if I said the answers to the questions. I think this was great. I feel grateful. I need more water and I want to go listen to this episode again and then edit it and have people listen, it, listen to it. That was awesome, guys. Really, thank you so much. And I'll share the info about your projects and stuff on the sites. All right. Um, thank you, guys.
2: Thank you.